0: Express what you're feeling to somebody that you care about. So for me, it was my wife. Basically we had the conversations where I broke down and say, this is not for me. I don't get joy from this. I don't know if I can do this forever. All these things that you're probably telling yourself in your head, get it out to somebody else that will listen to you. And then after that determine what it is that you do want. If you know that you're not happy in your current job, what is it about the job that you don't like? What is it that you're trying to get that you're not getting there? And once you realize what, what it is that you want, don't necessarily worry about how to get there. For me, obviously, my, my journey was not a straight line. It was very jagged <laughs> and backwards and everything else, but determine what determine what the end goal is and then start something.
1: Hey, recreators, this is Nick, and you're listening to the Life Recreated Podcast, the show that dives into learning, healing, and growing in mind, body, and spirit. Each week, we tackle the difficult conversations so that we can learn how to fully walk in the freedom as a new creation. So, if you're ready to learn, let's dive in. Hey what's going on this is Nick back with the Life Recreator podcast where it's all about learning healing and growing. I'm excited about today's show. Got a good good friend of mine here, Mr. Brian Daniels here with the All Good Craft Granola Bars company. What's going on Brian? How you doing, man?
0: Uh, I'm good, man. How you doing today?
1: Yeah, everything is going well, man. Going lovely, man. So I'm glad and I'm excited that you were able to jump on this this call with me. We met a little while ago at, at the Smart Mouth Brewery. And man, I was just so intrigued and just curious about what you've been doing and the company that you have, man. And so I just wanted to have this conversation with you, man. See what I can learn, see what all of us can learn from it. So Obviously you're doing some good things, man. And just, I uh, just wanted to dive into it. So I wanted to, to start, man, from the beginning, right? So I did a little bit digging and I seen that you were in like corporate, like you were in a corporate position before, right? Oh yeah, for sure.
0: So I worked for Anthem, the healthcare company. Um, so my background was in information technology. That's what I went to Virginia Tech for and was just doing that for over 15 years where I was doing data analysis, analyst work, kind of bridging the gap between like technical requirements versus the business needs. So being able to speak both languages and I liked it and it was, it was a good living, but it was just something where I wasn't fulfilled at the end of the day. It wasn't my purpose, so to speak. And I wanted to try to find something else, but yeah, man, it was, cubicle life for me for over a decade and a half. And, and yeah, so I, I can always, always have that, um, experience to draw from when I do my day-to-day stuff now.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. You, gotcha. You. Like I said before, I know I mentioned it, that you are running a, a granola bar company right now, but I'm curious because I always, I like to ask this question whenever I hear a story like that, 15 years, that's a pretty good long time. To be in a career, you're almost kind of getting into kind of like a rhythm in that career, man. What was it that happened that you were like, nah, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't, I don't feel like this is, this is where I need to be at.
0: Yeah. It was just one of those things where for one, the kind of work that I did while I worked for a healthcare company, it wasn't necessarily for the benefit of anyone, the company itself. So it was more like my job was to help us find money to take back from doctors that we had paid for certain claims and while i know i know that's a part of the job that has to be done it just wasn't something that at the end of the day i could say oh look, i was able to recover such and such millions of dollars from these different hospitals where you know, ultimately those people were doing a job and were expected to get paid a certain way and it's just it left a bad taste in my mouth at the end of the day where i did like i said i didn't feel like i had contributed much And along those same lines, I'd always been a coach. I'd always been DJ. So I'd always done other things on the side where I felt fulfilled. I brought joy to people or I taught somebody something and I just wasn't getting that same feeling kind of from the, from the nine to five. And I guess not all jobs are meant to do that or have to do that. But I think for me, it's something I really wanted out of my life.
1: Right. I feel you. I feel you. And so I can, I can definitely understand just being in that position where you're doing something on a day-to-day basis like you said before yes it's taking care of the bills and yes it was providing for what you need but it's like you go home and you're like man you feel more drained than you did when you first went there in the first place just because there's nothing that is exciting you about it is what I'm hearing so that that's where you were at with your job on it yeah for sure
0: it was it was that but it was also coupled with the fact that I'd been there for 15 years I had been in a lot of, in probably four or five different departments over the years kind of bounced around moved into different positions and every role that I ended up in or every department I ended up in I ended up becoming kind of the subject matter expert like the the go-to guy for a lot of uh, mo- most everything and it just got to a point where I knew I was underpaid and I knew that I wasn't I wasn't valued the way that I knew I should have been after being in the, with the company for that long Uh, and the skill set that I had obtained at that point. So it was just uh, factors like that made me feel like maybe corporate America wasn't the place for me, at least not at that point. And so my mentality was go make your move, do something, try something, fail at something. And if you have to come back and do this job again for 30 more years, then. You know, at least you
1: will know that you gave it a shot. Now, when you made that when you made that transition, did you start with the granola bar company at first? Did you that like what did you start with when you decided to make that shift?
0: Yeah, it, it was crazy. Like, so in 2018, I got certified as a personal trainer, and my plan was to start working at my buddy's gym. He so he owns a gym and was looking for trainers the whole time. And so I told him that I'm gonna I'll get certified and I'll bring some of my soccer clients over and get start my base there. And then also, as I mentioned, I've DJed forever. I got my little LLC started and, you know, set up my website to do bookings for weddings and uh, birthday parties, whatever else I could get corporate gigs. And, and that's what I did for about a year or almost a year after I left uh, the corporate job was just booking clients for personal training, booking weddings, doing gigs and uh, but all along the granola stuff is what took off and it just for me, it was um, it, became, it came down to um, scalability. Running the DJ business, could, I'm one person. I can only do so much. Same with personal training—only so many hours in the day. But if I can get the granola bars to a point where the recipe is sellable or replicable, I can hopefully mass produce and let the bars work for me one day.
1: Yeah, for sure. So th- now, when you got when you made that transition, did you have a plan? Was it something where it was just like? I'm just done like I mean I know it might not have just been like one day you just got up and oh, you're no, like sure. ah, I'm done yeah you know what I'm saying did you have like did you kind of set up like some kind of plan cuz I know there's a lot of people that are out there I know for like me personally like with my wife and you met my wife when she was there and she was performing like we had she said she wanted to do something. She wanted to do her music full time. And so I was like, all right. Before my younger days, I would have been like, yeah, let's just do it. Like whatever, we'll just, we'll figure it out. But this time around, I was like, all right, let's kind of set some things up. We got family now. How was that for you? Like when you made that transition, did you kind of plan ahead a lot on it? It's a
0: great question too, because it's a fashionable thing nowadays to just say, oh, I'm going to quit my job and start my business and hustle and make it work. And some people can get away with that. I can't personally. I'm all. I've always been a very cautious person. Um, the, the even the job that I was at for 15 years, it was my first job out of college. So I'm always. I'm just kind of a creature uh, of habit. So it was one of those things where if I'm in a good spot, then I'll just I'll ride it out. And that's where I was. And it 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 got to a point where I knew that I couldn't continue on that path and had to make my move. But it didn't happen overnight. It took me probably. Two and a, Two and a half years of planning, uh, of pursuing the personal trainer certification, of staving up money from the current job, setting money aside, getting something, some debt paid off ahead of time. And, and really it was a good two years of telling my wife that this was gonna happen, this is what I'm planning for, this is what I'm setting myself up for. Like I said, I got certified in 2018, that summer, but I didn't quit my job until the following spring. So it was probably a good year and a half before I got certified another almost a year after I got certified to actually leave and start the other businesses. So yeah, anybody that wants to do something like that depends on what your situation is, family life. As for me, I said, I I was married or am married and have two kids. And at the time they were really young and had a brand new house, large, larger mortgage payment than ever before. But all those things just had to be factored in factored in to say, okay, this is what we owe. What do I have to bring in and then make it work? And then it was a lot of help for my wife and faith on her part to say she trusts me to make it happen. And, and so, yeah, on my behalf, I have to say I was very lucky and I am very lucky to have my wife in, in my corner to support everything and to
1: push me. For sure. How long have you been married? Nine years. Nine years. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so, so going you guys 10 are- next year okay so so at this point this is 2018 so y'all were married for about five six years when you decided to to make that shift huh
0: yeah yep about six years and yeah. uh okay yeah okay. so it's like i said she, she took that leap with me man yeah that's I love her for it.
1: that's dope i think one of the things too is that like i mentioned before with just me and my wife being in the same situation is when you decide to make a move like that like you're going from something that, you know, is really stable, right? That, that corporate job that's really stable into something that can be it's like up and down sometime you might not know, like how things are going to pan out. And I know that within a marriage, this is just what I experienced personally. I don't think um, people always talk to me about this and they say, all right, how do you feel about your wife pursuing her music full time? I tell them that when I was. Before, like when we first got married, I was a pastor and I got up one day and I was like, hey, I'm calling the ministry. Let's go down to North Carolina. And we left, pickup left Bro, I didn't have a job. I didn't know how I was going to make money. I didn't know any of those things. But looking at my marriage, I was like, there's no way I would have been able to have figured out half the stuff I figured out while I was doing that in the ministry without my wife you know what i'm yeah. saying and so i think that's one of the crucial things is like when people decide to like okay we're gonna make this jump we're gonna make something happen and take this big shift in our lives like really taking into account how strong is my marriage like how strong is our relationship because that's going to be huge and then you said you had little kids right how old were your kids when all this took place
0: yeah so they were uh
1: three and five golly so yeah, yeah you were like <laughs> so that's a lot right there, ain't it? Yeah. That was a lot. Hey, that's yeah, good. Man. That's good. Okay. Man, hey, I appreciate your wife for being able to stick with you and definitely supporting you on that, man. That's huge, man. That's huge. How important do you think that was for you as a man, like to have your wife behind you and push you? Oh, it was everything.
0: As she she could have told me, suck it up and work there at my old job for 20 more years and just make it happen. I would have done it for her. But she, she saw the type of person I was when I would come home from work and- that I just I genuinely wasn't happy and uh, my job had a lot to do with it and my career had a lot to do with it and over the over those two years where I was making the planning or planning what I was going to do I think over those two years our relationship also grew to understand that this is something that's going to benefit both of us in the long run That that is probably some sacrifices that we're going to make in the short term But it's what is best for the entire family. So yeah, it's, it was everything to have her on board and it still is. And, and it's really the main reason that things have
1: grown. Gotcha. Now, does she help right now with a lot of what you're doing? Like with the granola bar company and everything like that? Does she help with that a lot?
0: No, not too much. It's mostly she will help me sell the bars, So she'll run the markets for me or farmer's market type thing. But she does a lot of the labeling currently while we await our new packaging. But yeah, she just does a little bit of the things on the side, but she lets me handle everything and I haven't really bugged her for too much help yet.
1: Yeah, I got you. And that's cool. You know what I mean? Uh, that's definitely cool that she can play that that good role. Does she work outside of the home or is, does she is she primarily stay at home?
0: Yeah, no, she's got a, a corporate job too. So she's a financial analyst for a chainsaw company. So they okay. steal a chainsaw company. She works for them and she's been there for almost 10 years yeah, I think or about nine years now. Yeah. yeah, she's definitely worked her way up a little bit and has got some good connections within that company. And so she does that nine to five, comes home, takes care of the kids, all that good stuff. So she's
1: she does it all too. That's for, gotcha. that's for sure. That's good, man. That is awesome. That is awesome. All right. So you make this transition, you shift out of the corporate job, you're doing the DJ thing, you're doing your, your you said you're doing some personal training. I want to dive into how the whole idea for all good craft granola bars like came about. Like, what? Because when you told me like how you make these bars, I was like, "Bro, where did you even come up with that idea?" You know what I mean? I wouldn't have even because you don't think. I, I don't think about stuff like that. So where did the idea come from for all of this? Because I thought I think it was amazing.
0: Yeah. While I was still at my old job, one of the things that I did was made homebrewed beer. Me and a couple of friends would go to this spot and it was like just an empty garage basically and homebrew beer. So we'd take get some grain, we'd mash it up, run some hot water through it, mix in the hops and went through the whole process of basically making homemade beer. And then we ferment it, let it sit for a few weeks, come back, test it out and basically drink a free keg of beer or wasn't free because we had to pay to make it, but it was basically <laughs> our thing. So we, we made probably 25 to 40 different batches over the course of a couple of years. And at the end of the process of making beer, you always just throw this extra grain away that is new. No, doesn't serve any purpose at that point. So the last step, you throw the grains away, you take the bag back inside, rinse the bag out and use it for the next batch. But one night I just was taking the batch to the dumpster and they smelled so good, it was like baking bread. And I wanted to figure out a way to, to eat the grain. Instead of throwing them out, I took them home dried them out in the oven and started making granola bars from the spent grain.
1: Wait, all right. All right. So backtrack. So you, so it was just one moment and you were taking them out and you smelled it and you were like, there's gotta be something that we can do with this. What? There was like, no, obviously you had to do some kind of research or, or something like that to, to come up with this idea. Cause I wouldn't think about that. I would have probably been like, Hey, I can make some oatmeal out of this, but
0: well, no. And, and I said, so, um, so yeah, so, it definitely was a spur of the moment thing. I like I, re- I remember the night when I was going to take him to the dumpster, and then I turned around and went back in and kept it. Like I remember that vividly. But in the course of making the beer over the, those couple of years, my favorite part of the process was the steeping of the grains and kind of the releasing of all those aromas. Like I said, it smelled like baking bread. And so in my mind, I was like, "There's got to be something that can be done with this stuff." So I never really pursued it but i looked into it at one point and i found out that people would use spent grain to make flour to grind it up really fine and make like a flour out of it and that some people were using it to make granola um, or granola bars and so yeah that so that one night when i decided to keep it i was like maybe i can make the granola bars i'm not gonna have the energy to make flour or bake bread or anything crazy like that but i think i can figure out the granola bar stuff so when i took that batch home I Googled recipes for spent grain granola bars, and there's actually a few handful of recipes out there for it. Um, And so the first one I found, I kind of tweaked it to my liking because I don't like peanut butter and the certain stuff that I don't want. So I made it my way and it actually came out horrible and (laughs) I threw it away basically. Um, But then I made a couple more batches and it, it got to the point where I liked them and then other people started liking them. So that's what happened.
1: Bro, because I, when I first met you and I got that, that, I got a whole bunch of those bars, man. I didn't even, they didn't even last me. They only lasted me like one morning. Like I woke up the next morning and I yeah, ate like yeah, all okay. of them. And I was like, man, these are good, bro. Because like they're the different flavors and the different, I was like, yo, this is genius. And I was telling my wife, I was like, you need to taste this granola bar. Because I'm all into like, I'll eat a lot of healthy stuff. Just trying to be mindful of my diet. So When I was like, when I saw it, I was like, bro, these taste freaking phenomenal, man. This is what in the world. So it just blew my (laughs) mind because I feel like it's a really good example of you seeing something that, that you guys were just throwing out before and you were just like, all right, we're just done with this. But you saw something in there and you were like, yo, I can turn this into something. So when you first started making the granola bars, were you thinking I'm going to turn this into a business or were you just like, these are just going to be for me to eat?
0: Yeah, well, they, were, yeah they were just for me, they were just something, just a way to not waste what we were throwing out and have some fun with it. And yeah, like they were something I would eat before workouts. Like that's when I first started kind of uh, practicing training people. So I'd give them to my clients in before, before, after workouts kind of thing. And yeah, it was just a side thing. And, but when I left my job to do my other businesses, I kept getting orders for the bars from my old co-workers and other people that had tried the bars before. It just got to the point where I had more orders than I had grain because we stopped making beer as a, as a hobby. And that's basically when it became a business. That's when I started going to the breweries to see what I could get.
1: So just, I'm just making sure I get the timeline. So when you first yeah. started making them, you guys, you were using the grain that you guys were making your own personal batches of beer with, right? Exactly. And then you were getting a whole bunch of orders based off of that. How how many bars do you think, I it might be a lot to think about, but how many bars do you think you can make off of like one batch, like one brew that you would make? How, how many do you think you could guess?
0: I mean, off the, off the brews that we used to make, I could probably make a a couple hundred bars Wow, uh, from that, but the batches that the breweries make, it's not even, I can't even count or fathom how much it would be because I can make about a thousand bars just from one bucket of grain.
1: Golly. Okay. Wow. Okay. All right. So I'm just tracking here. So you can make a couple hundred, but then you're getting to the point where while you're doing that from your own personal brews, that it's like you're selling out of them, right? Because all these people are ordering them. And then, so what? How, how did the process look like when you started going to these breweries? Were they looking at you, bro? What do you want? These, what do you want this grain for? <laughs> like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, how did that look? Yeah, pretty much. Like the first
0: guy I went to was really cool about it. He said, uh, "He said, yeah, I just got done making a batch of, of today." He went to the back, brought me a bucket out front, and he's like, "Yeah, go for it." And he didn't charge me anything for it, and it was free. And like I said, he just was glad somebody was taking it, because otherwise he was just going to take it out back and dump it pretty much. it's Most of the brewers are cool about it when I kind of explain what's going on. But yeah, at first it was definitely just a little odd for somebody to be coming in asking for their trash, essentially. Because they do give it to farmers for animal feed sometimes. But other than that, people aren't generally coming in and asking for it.
1: Right. 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 I got you. I got you. It's almost like a wide open market. Cause you don't have any kind of competition or any, you don't have any other people that are coming in and they're like, Hey, let me get this grain. And the other thing I thought about, which was, I thought was genius was that. So when you get this grain, the grain basically replicates or tastes like the beer that was brewed from that grain. So
0: not necessarily, I think there's because the grain itself, once it's been processed to make the beer, it doesn't have a ton of its own flavor. It's got a little bit, it's more, it's kind of like wheat, or if it's a dark beer, it might have deeper chocolater kind of flavor to it. Depending on the beer style, you might get a little bit of different flavor from that spent grain. But generally speaking, the flavors added in with the nuts and honey and different fruit, dried fruits and things like that we add to the grain. But since since the kind of process came from home brewing, When I started making different flavors, I tried to think about how the bars might pair with a certain style of beer, Mm -hmm. or if I was making a style, if I was making a different granola bar flavor, what would that beer version of that granola bar be? So it was like, that's how my mind went into making the different flavor profiles of each
1: of the bars that are out now. Okay. Gotcha. And now, cause I went to the website with the granola, the granola gang, with the different types of granola bars that you have, are you, do you still make those flavors or does it change like over time?
0: Yep. So we, st- we have five main flavors that we make consistently. There's cranberry almond. That's the IPA. We got the tropical IPA, which is coconut and mango, chocolate, cherry stout. We got the blueberry hefeweizen and Pumpkin Spice Oktoberfest. And so those are like the five consistent flavors. And then every month we do a collaboration with a different brewery where we'll make a specialty bar. And then those bars go to our monthly subscribers and then we'll have different promotions or contests or something to give out the rest of those bars. For example, we did a bar for Thanksgiving for November and we called it Giving. So it was cranberries and pecans. So play on different Thanksgiving flavors in a granola bar. And then next month we'll do something for Christmas. All that to say five main flavors. And then each month we'll do like a different rotating specialty flavor.
1: Gotcha. So I think having, I think what's genius about that too, man, is that having those five flavors, like you just keep it simple. Like, you know, boom, these are the ones that we have to make. These are the ones that we're going to keep on stock. And then I'm sure every month you could probably come up with, I mean, because every month that It it seems like to me every month there's something special going on, like, you know, within that month that you could kind of make something to kind of cater to that month. You know, Valentine's Day comes around, you can make like a Valentine's Day bar or something like that. So I think that's that, man, that makes a lot of sense. Now, that that model that you came up with, was it just like, how did you come up with that? Was it just like, all right, well, it would just be easier for just us to stick to these main core bars or was it something that you kind of tested a lot of those and tried to test a lot of different flavors and you realized that you know more people were buying these certain bars than than the others
0: yeah i think i think over time it's settled into these five main flavors we started out with just the cranberry almond and the chocolate cherry and then of over time the added the other three based on kind of experimentation and customer feedback and things like that. But for the past, I'd say two and a half years, consistently, those have been the main five flavors. And, and yeah, it was just a case of, uh, I'm still a considered a home baker. So everything's in my, my home kitchen. I don't have a big factory at this point. And to be able to just focus on those five and be able to consistently make those five flavors and then add and supplement and experiment with the monthly bars was just a way to streamline production and make my job a little bit easier, but also try to have a different kind of variety, diversity of flavors that can appeal to different people. For example, the tropical IPA, the coconut mango, uses coconut oil instead of butter. So anybody with like lactose issues or anyone that's vegan will navigate towards that one. And then the Oktoberfest has no nuts in it, just a seed blend. So anybody with nut allergies will grab that bar. So it's just a way for us to cater to different market segments, add different flavors to the mix and just keep it
1: fresh. Gotcha. What I also like about them too, is that with the different bars you have, I see there's like a different cause like that. Each one of them is supposed to back. What was the thought? What was the idea behind that? Was it like when you started coming up with that idea?
0: Yes. So that was, we've always supported the food bank of Southeastern Virginia. So that's our main charity and the one that we'll always be focused on. But the point of looking at the other pieces were just to look at supporting the planet holistically. So there's lots of different aspects to supporting, to fight, to fighting climate change and to supporting sustainability. And so we wanted to have the different bars represent different charities in the sense that if you want to support animals, you want to support Fighting hunger, you want to support the cleaning the ocean, you want to support cleaner air, whatever it is, all those things kind of work together, in my mind at least. And while, again, overall, we're always going to be focused on fighting hunger, we want to just offer a way for people that are conscious about other things to contribute to those causes as well.
1: Okay. Gotcha. You know what I really like about that? Just thinking back to earlier in the conversation, you mentioned leaving your corporate job. It was like, you felt like there wasn't any kind of like purpose or any kind of something bigger than yourself. I'm really big on if you're going to do something, you're pursuing something, trying to put energy towards it. I'm really big on making sure that whatever that is, it should be bigger than you. It should be something that can help as many people as probably you can possibly help. And I like that cause I'm a big fan of the pumpkin spice October. I'm that's like my favorite beer flavor pumpkin season comes out, bro. I'm pumpkin nice. everything, bro. Pumpkin coffee, muffins, anything you think of. And, and the cause behind that is like wildlife conservation. I love outdoors. I love that stuff. So to me, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Not only am I, you know, there's, there's so many different avenues where you're really a bigger purpose there because you're helping on reducing the waste that these breweries are are having. Then you're taking that, you're recycling it. Then as a consumer now, I can turn around and not only get a quality bar from somebody local, from somebody that, you know, that, that owns us local, but then I can also help something that I also believe in. And I think, man, that tied in really good, man. It sounds like it was well thought. was a lot of this like well thought out or, or did you just, just as time was going, you were like, man, this is probably a good idea to do it this way. As I mentioned
0: before, man, I'm not really good at doing things spontaneously. I plan a lot ahead of time as best I can. And this was a case where, like I mentioned, the food bank has always been a part. But then when I started, when I created the Granola Gang, which is a group of characters that kind of represent our flavors, I was like, wow, man! They remind me of Captain Planet. So this was in the '90s. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Planet, where you know what I mean? And, I love it. And I was like, these are guys that are kind of like Captain Planet slash the California Raisins. I want them. I want people to feel like a connection through them to save the planet, kind of thing. So what would they? What would the superpower be, or what would they support that kind of gets them to that? So yes, yeah, so that was the inspiration a little bit behind all of that.
1: Bro, I love it, man. I used to watch Captain Planet. Captain Planet is... I used to watch that all the time, bro. I'm telling you, man. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. So I like that. And then you also mentioned, too, that you have you, you have like a subscription plan for the granola bars. Is that mm-hmm. can, customers can sign up to something like that monthly? How does that work?
0: Yep, exactly. Customers can sign up and get either a 12-pack, a 24-pack, or a 36-pack of bars monthly And when they do so, they get free shipping. It's a little bit cheaper overall than the regular price. I want to say it's like 18 bucks instead of 20 bucks for the 12 pack and plus free shipping. And then you also get a free bar every month, the specialty bar that I mentioned earlier. So you get the 12 pack and an additional bar. If you get a 24 pack, you get two free bars, 36 pack, you get three bars. It's just a way to one, make sure you don't have to worry about signing in every month to get your fix. You can sort the pack, you can sort the boxes out to give you your favorite flavors. So if you don't wanna get the mixed bag, you can get just all 12 of your favorite or get half and half, whatever you wanna do. And like I mentioned before, it gives you the specialty bars as well as yearly, there's perks like coffee mugs, swag, T-shirts, things like that, brewery gift certificates. So it's just a way to be a part of the community, get the bars monthly, get the specialty bars. And yeah, it's actually been a pretty cool feature of the business up to this point. And it's always fun to just see a new customer come on board that subscribes. And, and yeah, it's something we added probably a year and a half ago and really is what I think will be probably the biggest part of our business model as we grow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think when you look at this business from a standpoint of having it like on the recurring type of revenue stream, it's, it, ha- it probably helps to predict your business a little bit more. Okay. Yep. This month, based on the amount of subscribers, I know what I have coming in, I know what's going to be going out. So I can see how that, that can help. And then you also mentioned too, like you had plans of like selling the recipe, right? So I guess, what would you call that? I guess, I don't know if it's called copywriting, but just being able to sell that to like a company or something like that, is that part of the business that you're, you got down the future you're planning on?
0: Yeah, so I think one there's one way to look at it where I can work with a co-packer. And I, in that case, I wouldn't necessarily sell them the recipe, but they would basically make the granola bars for me on a mass scale. That's something I've looked at in the past when I was much, I'm small now, but this was in the early, very early days. But it's something that I might circle back to one day is working with a larger manufacturer or co-packer to take my recipe and turn it into something even bigger. Uh, So there's always that. And then there's obviously larger brands like Hershey's, Mars. They're always looking to gobble up small businesses and and take their formula and turn it into something bigger. I have not rule. I would love that for that to happen down the road. I don't think it's anything that I'm prepared for in the near future, but it's what I'm building towards is to be able to have something that would be at least seen as valuable to another company.
1: For sure. Now, I want to kind of switch I'm still definitely talking about the granola bar, but something that I ran across on your site that I was just like, bro, this, and I think maybe this is because of like your IT background and stuff. So I see you have an Al- Al- Alogran, Al- I'll probably pronounce it wrong. Algogram <laughs> Wallet. Alogran Wallet. Okay, gotcha. So, and you have like different NFTs, like you got the silos. And I was like, okay, where are we going with that? Cause that, that got me excited because obviously, I was talking to a good friend of mine this this past Thanksgiving, and we were talking about crypto, talking about uh, some of the, the ways that that our economy, our whole landscape, is changing. And so, when I saw that on your, I saw that you were you were diving into that, I was kind of like, all right, I was curious right. on how how are we going to tie this into the granola bar. So, explain a little bit to me what yeah. your thought process is behind that.
0: So, it's just again one of those things where. I've always been involved in a lot of different things. I've always liked learning new things and trying new things. And yet the IT background definitely plays into kind of the why I was drawn to crypto and NFTs and things like that. And so for for me, the thing that I liked about NFTs specifically was digital ownership and verifiable digital ownership. So... Um, for example, I, I grew up collecting baseball cards, um, and you know, had tons of boxes and all the all the stuff that comes with that. But anyway, if I if I have a baseball card now and I sell it to somebody on eBay, you know, they give me five hundred bucks. I mail them the card. There's no guarantees that it's even authentic, or there's guarantees that this there's not dented corners or scratches on the surface or things like that. And the things I like, the thing I like about NFTs is that it's, um, uh, basically digitally verifiable goods. Um, they're not necessarily something you can hold, but at the same time, p- people aren't necessarily busting out their baseball card collection to show people it's, it's, uh, a
1: yeah.
0: it's just an asset that sits somewhere or, you know what I mean? Or, um, a stock, A stock certificate is not something you bust out to show people. It accumulates value, but it's, you know, it's, it's just a piece of paper. Um, so what I liked about, again, about NFTs was that for me starting a business, if anybody buys the NFTs that the artists I work with create, if anybody buys our NFTs from now until I'm 99 years old, I can look and see what wallet holds that NFT Mm -hmm. and By then there'll be ways to, I mean, I could do it now, but you know, I can always contact that person. I can always send that person digital currency because I know their wallet address. I can email that person and say, would you like tickets to the all good granola festival at super bowl 99? Like whatever it is that I'm able to provide at that point in, in the business's lifecycle, I can always go back and see who invested or who believed in the project in the beginning. When I released the NFTs in, in 2021, what I did was I worked with a different, a different, or two different local artists to create version one and version two of the Granola Gang with the hopes being I wanted to create some characters that represented the flavors of the granola bars. If the NFTs sell, great. If they don't, that's fine too. At least now I have some intellectual property that can be my kind of mascots for the company going forward. And so luckily I had two people that did an awesome job. And so I put the NFTs out there and sold sold a handful right home about. It was just, it was a fun learning experience. And to also back up to the Algorand thing real quick. Algorand is a cryptocurrency. It's a, or Algo is the currency, but Algorand is a um, blockchain. Sorry, I get my terminology confused sometimes. (laughs) But it's a blockchain where... Yeah, where the big criticism for a lot of blockchains is that they're not equal, eco-friendly, that they can, the process the computing processing, computer processing that it takes to mine for certain crypto, like Ethereum or Bitcoin, is harmful to the planet on a large scale. But with Algorand, the way the technology is built, it's minute fractions of the computing power that it takes to produce or to mine the crypto. And... Essentially, Algorand is considered a carbon negative blockchain. So it essentially, in, by using carbon offsets, it I won't say it's good for the environment, but of all the blockchains, it's a carbon negative blockchain as compared to to all the other ones that are very damaging to, to the environment. I knew that if I was going to make something like this, I would wanted to do it on a platform that doesn't go against the whole ethos of my company, which is trying to promote sustainability, promote a healthy environment. So sorry for going really nerdy and deep there for you, but that's, it. it's something that really interested me. And when I found out about Algorand, I found out from someone who heard about my company and she said, based on what your company is and who you are, this is the blockchain you should hear about and work with if you're going to create NFTs. And I have no regrets about it. They've, they've been building some really cool things with on Algorand.
1: That's cool, man. That is dope. I like. I just. I. I really. One of the things that that I hear, which is a pretty, it's a good theme throughout all of this and this whole your whole journey, is how you're using and you're you're bouncing off of your a lot of your past experiences. Like in this conversation, you brought up Captain Planet. You brought up baseball cards. You brought up your IT background, and so what I love about that is that you're able now and what you're working on now is you're building something that obviously ties into you having that bigger purpose, but you're using a lot of your skills and a lot of your knowledge and a lot of experience already. And you're tying it into something that, just hearing just that explanation, I'm like, okay, you're already like thinking like, all right, five, 10 years down the road. You know what I mean? This is actually you said longer than that. Cause you said when I'm 99, so you're like you're thinking way down the road on this man. and I think having that foresight is key, especially if you're building a business, right? Especially if you're building a bit, it's something that I wish I would have more of a lot of times I'm just like, okay, boom. I'm like right here. I just need to get to the next step. Need to get to the next step. It's hard for me sometimes to think out, you know what I mean? Like how, it's hard for me sometimes to, to have the long game, you know what I mean? On a lot of things. So I think that's good. So can we still, are the NFT still able to be purchased now? Can people still get them if they want to do that?
0: Yeah, they can. One thing I haven't done and I've wanted to do is create some kind of like little educational video and show people kind of the basics of how to get started and, and, and to look into it. But yeah, the NFTs are still available on on the Algorand blockchain. And if anybody's interested, just shoot me an email and I'm happy to walk through the process of how to get the wallet set up. And there's actually, there's ways for me to send people free NFTs too. So if they just get the wallet set up, I actually have some that I'm happy to send them for free to get a, get their journey started as they learn about it.
1: For sure. Well, dang, I'm about to set up my own wallet. I've been trying to learn just the whole, that, that whole component of where we're at and where we're going. I've been trying to help my wife with her music, get involved with NFTs and trying to just trying to, like, like we talked about, just trying to think forward. If we're going that way in that direction, why not have something already set up and start kind of looking down the road on that. So I'm going to take you up on that. Yeah, I I hear that. For sure. For sure. Good deal, man. This has been a good talk so far, man, but I'm curious. So where do you, where are you seeing, where are you seeing the granola company in the next five to 10 years? Where do you see, where do you see you being able to take, take the company in the next five to 10
0: years? Yeah. So I think right now we're actually in the process of finishing up our brick and mortar where we're going to have a larger production facility to be able to make just larger batches of granola bars finally. And in the front of the house is gonna be a local uh, coffee shop. We're gonna source coffee from different local roasters and serve as a a tap house where people can different local coffees. So that'll be the front of the house retail aspect of the business while in the back of the house, we're just making as many granola bars as we can for wholesale and and hopefully for grocery stores, larger purchases, things like that. And so my, my goal is if this format works, where we can rent out space, have a production facility in the back, coffee shop in the front. I would like to do that in as many different localities, not necessarily across the country, but across Virginia as possible. So I know Virginia Beach is where we're focused now, but I think if this model works, it's something we could also replicate in Chesapeake, Norfolk, Richmond, you know, Fredericksburg, Northern Virginia. I think five to 10 years, If we can have multiple locations doing the same thing, recycling grain from their local breweries, having those local connections, making the five flavors, but doing specialty bars with whatever local brewery that they want to work with kind of thing. So just like a a franchise model kind of thing that still taps into the local localities of each of the the different cities that the business is in. So I think that's the next step and what we're trying to evolve into.
1: That's dope, man. I think that's going to, I think that can, if you think also, I think I was just thinking about that while you were talking, it's just the amount of like breweries that have popped up in the recent, like two or three years, man. It's like amazing. It's probably one of the, I would imagine it's probably one of the fastest growing types of companies that we're seeing in a lot of local economies, you know what I mean? And excuse me and so yeah. so that makes that's good man. Okay, so my last question man, I always try and ask this. Our folks are listening to this man. What advice would you give somebody that may they may have found themselves in the position you were in when you were at your corporate job looking to make that shift? Um what kind of advice would you give somebody that's looking to I'm real big on recreating yourself, like recreating your life, really just Being intentional about living the life that you choose to live. And so what advice would you give somebody, man, that's probably listening to this? They're probably stuck at their job and they're like, man, I don't know how I'm going to do this. They're hearing this story and seeing what you're doing. What kind of advice do you think you could give somebody, man, to to give them some encouragement? For sure.
0: I would say express what you're feeling to somebody that you care about. So for me, it was my wife. Basically, we had the conversations where... I broke down and say, this is not for me. I don't get joy from this. I don't know if I can do this forever. All these things that you're probably telling yourself in your head, get it out to somebody else that will listen to you. And then after that, determine what it is that you do want. if you know that you're not happy in your current job, what is it about the job that you don't like? What is it that you're trying to get that you're not getting there? And once you realize what, what it is that you want, don't necessarily worry about how to get there, but just because For me obviously my, my journey was not a straight line. it was very jagged and backwards <laughs> and everything else but determine what determine what the end goal is and then start something. use any of, use a passion for me. I used coaching and soccer and training and music and DJ. I used something just to get the ball rolling. And it wasn't what I ended up doing permanently. I still do some of that stuff on the side. That wasn't the point. It was just to say, I'm not happy here. I want something more fulfilling. Now, now what? Now start planning. Like I said, I took the two years, I got certified, blah, blah, blah. And then walk out and begin. So anybody feeling stuck where they are right now, it doesn't have to be that way. Talk about it, plan out what you wanna do and how you might get there. And then after you've, Set everything up, you know, pull the cord and hit
1: and go. Gotcha. Gotcha, man. I love it. I love it, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. Man, this has been a this has been a real cool conversation, bro. I like I said, I get excited when I see somebody that's doing something, man, that they want to do and they choose to do living a bigger purpose. I get really excited, encouraged by it too. Definitely yeah. encouraged by it, man, for sure. As we're signing off, man, where can people find you? I know I'm gonna put some of the links down below, but where can people find you if they want to find out more about all good craft granola bars or just find out more about you, man, where's the best place for them to find you?
0: Good, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. And yeah, it's been a great conversation for sure. I was looking forward to it all week and it did not disappoint. So thank you. Uh, yeah, if you want to learn about the company, please go to allgoodgranolabars.com. You can email me directly at allgoodbars at gmail.com. Uh, please follow us on Instagram at allgoodgranola. Same on Twitter. I think it might be at allgoodbars on Facebook. It's weird, but it's basically all good granola anywhere. Search us up. And yeah, it's been great talking to you. And if anybody wants to, um, matter of fact, I'm going to do this for you. You let me know what the name of the code should be. I'll set up the code tonight, and if anybody gets the website up and orders granola bars, we'll get them 20, 20% off. You just tell me what the name of the code should be.
1: Okay, cool. Let's make it recreated, man. That sounds good. Recreated. You're li- you're a living Re- example of that right now. So recreated, man. Yeah, I love I it, man. I appreciate that. That's good, man. And then I'm going to yeah. link up with you too, man. You know what I love? I was just thinking, man, I want to see about making a – like my wife has this song, Sweet Baby Ray. And i was like man it would be cool to make like a sweet baby ray granola bar or something so yeah. I'm, I'm gonna definitely put something together man so brian man i definitely appreciate nice. you man i appreciate your time i know it's valuable i know you got a family i got a family so I'm, i really am just grateful for it man and like i said as we wrap up here tonight man you can find brian what he's doing with all good granola bars i'm gonna have all those links down below like we we just mentioned we'll make a uh, he'll make a code for a good discount with recreated and so get yourself something good man put something good in your system and help the world man and so this has been nick with the life recreated podcast man until next time keep learning keep healing and keep growing